Josiah was eight years old. My daughter is seven years old, so that's the context. He was young. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. That text, that, that right there is a sermon in itself. We wait so long to see our sons and daughters rise up in royalty and leadership. But here we have a text that says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. The reason why Pastor Leah is so insistent and so passionate about kids' ministry is because we want to raise kings and queens. Josiah was eight years, that's not even my message, but that will preach. Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father, David. Fun fact, interesting fact, his father, David, not really his father. 17 grandfathers up the ladder is his father, David. But we'll talk about that. Not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God again of his father, David. In his 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles and idols. Under his direction, the altars of Baals were torn down. He cut to pieces the incense altars that were above them and smashed the Asherah pole and the idols. These he broke to pieces and scattered over the graves. I mean, James Cameron movie right here. Scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the priests on their altars. So he purged Judah and Jerusalem. Scrolling down to verse 8. In the 18th year of Josiah's reign to purify the land and the temple, he sent name I cannot pronounce and few other names with that to the temple to repair the temple of the Lord his God. It's a good thing to repair God's house. That's why I like that we're in the middle of a building project. Verse 9. They went to Hilkiah the high priest and gave him the money that had been brought into the temple of God, which the Levites, who were the gatekeepers, had collected from the people of Manasseh, Ephraim, and the entire remnant of all these different tribes. Verse 10, Then they entrusted it to the men appointed to supervise the work of the Lord's temple. These men paid the workers who repaired and restored the temple. They also gave money to the carpenters. A church fit-out is an expensive business. The Bible says it. Just, just putting it out there. They also gave money to the carpenters and builders to purchase dressed stone and timber for the joists and the beams for the building that the kings of Judah had allowed to fall into ruin. The kings of Judah had allowed to fall. It's funny how what we allow when we're leading something can be dangerous for the next generation. Verse 12, the workers labored faithfully. I love that. The workers labored faithfully. I'm going to scroll down to verse 14. It says, while they were bringing out the money that had been taken into the temple, Hilkiah the priest found. So it was missing. So it was not been read for a while. Found the book of the law of the Lord that had been given through Moses. Found the letters of Moses, literally. Hilkiah said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan, verse 16. Then Shaphan took the book to the king. Remember, that's who sent the orders first. And reported to him, your officials are doing everything that has been committed to them. They have paid out the money and things of like that. Then Shaphan, the secretary, verse 18, informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me this book, this random book, but it's got the font of Moses on it. And Shaphan read it from it in the presence of the king. Verse 19, when the king heard the words of the law, 
he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah, Ahikam, son of Shaphan. And in verse 21, he says, Go and inquire of the Lord for me and of the remnant of Israel of Judah. Great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us because, the, because those who have gone before us have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not acted according to this book. Verse 33, Josiah removed all the detestable idols from all the territory belonging to the Israelites. He had all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God as long as he lived. And they did not fail to follow the law of the God of their ancestors. I told you it was long, but I hope it was worth your time. Let's pray. Father, help me speak this word. But more than anything, let this message come through on the power of your word. On the power of a moment in your, in your word. On how you can ignite every broken heart, every dead dream, every dry bone with one word. When it enters a moment, we give you all the all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title of my message is Aha Moment. How many of you heard the word Aha Moment? Do you know who created this word? Oprah. It's in the dictionary. It's like, come on. You go, girl. Aha Moment. We all, I mean, most people, it's, it's been around for over a decade now, but I've just had an Aha Moment, Epiphany, or I've just been informed. And I want to talk about a bunch of aha moments through history. The first one is in 1947, a Bedouin shepherd was up in the inhabited mountainous area near Palestine. And he was taking care of his sheep. One of the sheep left the herd and the boy followed the sheep and found the sheep was curiously looking into a small cave. Because of the fact that the cave was tiny, the boy thought he would throw some stones into the cave. Each time he did so, it would make this nice cracking sound, like things were being broken. It was almost contagious, so adventure requires fellowship. And so the shepherd boy called his other friends, and they started throwing stones into this cave. And each time they did, there were sounds that they hadn't heard before. Finally, they gathered the courage to go into the cave, and the boys found pots filled with scrolls. Word went out about this mysterious cave which reached the years of an archaeologist who was in the vicinity on a historic route. The archaeologist arrives and trades the scrolls from the boys for $26. What a bargain. What the boys had found that day were nothing but the Dead Sea Scrolls. Later on they found I think 19 other caves filled with scrolls. And the scrolls contained the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Psalm, Proverbs, Daniel, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Micah, Malachi. I say this for multiple reasons. Number one, about the power of discovery. But also we live in a day and age where even our, this book that we believe in is questioned. And there's proof that this book is real and this book is legit. Even in that finding. And it was such a powerful moment. I mean, even to this day, they are, they're finding stuff at that site. And this, that, when, when those boys woke up that morning, they had no idea that they would be writing a book in history with the finding of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And yes, the, the, the finding of the Dead Sea Scrolls made the boys famous and it was featured in 
all the newspapers and it became a hot spot. It's also interesting. This is, I, I love history, so you're probably like, you don't care about it. It's also interesting about the timing of this because it was in 1947 when the Palestinians were claiming it as their land. And yet they find scrolls that prove that it was somebody else's. God has interesting timing. And what is amazing is, yes, this was historical, but what the boys found was literally the Bible. And what I want to talk about is the power of finding the Bible. Not just finding the Bible, because you can find the Dead Sea, sea Scrolls, you can find scripture and sell it for $26. You can find something and be featured in a newspaper. But it's a whole nother thing when you find the scripture like King Josiah. Josiah was eight years old. Talk about the pressure of needing to be a king at the age of eight. And the Bible says somehow he's, he was somebody that was walking with God. There were all these kings before him that were incredibly horrible, just, just terrible leadership. All sorts of idols, all sorts of things. So we got King David, you've got Solomon, then you've got all these other kings between Solomon and Josiah. The 16 kings between David and Josiah. Josiah is the 17th king, right? Josiah's history, the, the, the heritage that he had for 10 generations down was horrible. The kings were crazy. They did not walk with God. They were God's people, but the temple was destroyed. The temple was not maintained. The, the scriptures were not honored. Not, none of the festivals were celebrated. This is the time in which Josiah was leading, and he was eight years of age. He starts reforming the land, starts saying, we need to seek God. We need to take down these idols. He does not even know why he's doing what he's doing. I want you to think about this. Have you ever felt there's a calling within you towards truth that you have no text to articulate it? Have you ever felt there's a truth and a narrative within your soul that even people around you doesn't necessarily agree with, but there's a truth within that seeks for deeper truth? So Josiah is unique because his timing doesn't make sense. Every influence around him is negative, evil, is, is, is perverted. But yet there's this call within him for truth. And he goes on this exploit. And when he's 26 years of age, his truth seeking finds him at the temple steps. He sends these priests and he sends these, not these priests, he sends these secretaries. Because priests were dishonored. They were not celebrated. The secretaries find the priest hidden, living on a light budget, trying to maintain history. The temple is no more temple. It's more like a museum that's, that stopped receiving any tax funding. So that is the scene I want you to picture. And while they're trying to rebuild this thing, maybe for historical reasons or for heritage reasons, they find this book, The Laws of Moses. And Josiah thought he was doing good until the book was read to him. And when the book was read to him, everything changed. And the Bible says that he began to reform the land. New laws, new legislation. He restored Sabbath. He restored Passover. The most significant feasts, the most significant celebration of the Jewish culture. He starts releasing things and he starts restoring things and all these things begin to happen around him. And, and I began to think about Josiah and then I began to think about another story. 
And the story, and this story is about a priest called Martin Luther in Germany who did everything that the Catholic Church required of him and was obeying laws and trying to seek the favor of God, doing all sorts of crazy, atrocious things to find a passage right to heaven. Christianity had been tainted, tarnished. The narrative had been completely changed on how you can go to heaven. And Martin Luther stumbles upon the scripture, the word again, and finds these words in the text which says, the just shall live by faith. Three stories. You've got two Bedouin boys that find the Dead Sea Scrolls and it changes history forever. You've got Josiah that reads one chapter, one book, one verse, and the nation changes forever. You've got Luther that reads one scripture, the just shall live by faith, and here we are. What would happen if you read the Bible? What would happen if one verse, one scripture got a hold of us? arrested our heart, captured our heart. Because let me tell you, we're living in the day and age where this book is being more and more and more diminished. It's being equalized to, is this another great book? It's another, like it's, it's, it's put in the shelves along with the list of other gurus and spiritual leaders. Let me tell you, this book is superior. There's no book like it. And I know we know it in theory. And I know we amen this thing. And I know we know that it's been the bestseller from the beginning of time. We do church well. We clap. We applaud. But I'm not sure even if I or you or we approach this book understanding that every time we open our Bible, God opens his mouth. Do you realize the power of this book? Do you realize the price that was paid for this book? Do you realize how many pirates and, 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 and leaders and, and, and all sorts of people came to erode the writings of this book because they knew the power of this book, that every time you open up this book, there's power that comes through. What I love about the Bible is the Bible gives us purpose. If you're lacking purpose this morning, this is a great book to get into. This is a great book to lean into. This is a great book that just speaks purpose into where you are. It's a book that speaks vision into where you need to be. It's a book that speaks vision into where you are currently. And the Bible is interesting. I read a story the, a few, few years ago, actually, about a, a missionary who had done all these things. He was an Indian missionary who was done, doing all these things, but, but felt like God was calling him to more, right? And he started to serve this church and serve that missions organization, even worked with Billy Graham Ministries for a while. This is going back 40-odd years. And one day he's reading his Bible. And as he's reading his Bible, I wish I'd read the story last week. I read this probably 10 years ago, so I've got to speak it from memory. But he reads this book, he reads this verse in the Bible on Joshua and the army being 399. And for whatever reason, the words, the numbers 399 speaks to him. This guy starts getting obsessed with the number 399. He has what I call an aha moment. All of a sudden, he recognizes that India has 399 train routes. India has 399 districts. And he begins to see about pastors. He begins to see if I could have 399 Bible college. Why that number? I do not know. But God has this unique way of anointing scriptures and texts in a special way. Right? He starts saying, if I could do this, if I could do that. And 
at the end of his at the end of his ministry, I think he had influence over 39 million people. 399. Now, someone might hear that and go, that's a great concept. So let me plant a church called 399, have 399 circles, believe for 399 members. God doesn't work that way. See, so many times we read scripture for strategy, but really what lies in scripture is spirit. And so I've read that scripture so many times, 399. Praise God, let me read Psalm. I'm not getting anything out of it. But when Mr. P.G. Vergis read 399, something stood out to him. And that is the beauty of this text that, that you can read something and it speaks life and vision into where you are right now. And if you're lacking that, you might be a business leader, you might be a family, uh, you know, you might be in a family situation, you might have a relationship scenario. I want you to know when you start reading this book, there will be things that will jump out of it that will speak into your life. One of the craziest stories, and I was a bit careful that I, I wasn't sure if I need to share this because people can take you, what you say and code that and mess it up, but I'm going to use it. This happened only once. It's not happened before, not happened after. There was a time in my life, probably 12, 13 years ago, where I was in this fantastic church and I had this opportunity from the Sunshine Coast. And, 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 and I loved where I was at and I was just not sure, but I, I felt I needed to relocate to Sunshine Coast, but doing that meant I had to take sort of a back seat uh, in what, you know, in, in the ministry career, in the ministry ladder. But there was something in me that was like, I, I think I need to do this, but I'm not sure. And, and I just started having that in my heart. And with having that in my heart, I was not even praying, but I started reading. And one day as I was reading, as I was going through this journey, I stumbled upon Mark chapter 7, where it says that, and Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went across to the coastland of Galilee. Now you read that and be like, yeah, Jesus is on a mission trip, right? What stood out to me was the word coast. And, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not making a doctrine out of this. But at that given moment, I had what the shepherd boys had. I had what Martin Luther had. I had what Josiah had, which is I had an aha moment. I'd read that scripture so many times. I'd studied about it in kids' church, heard it in youth. But at that moment, it was not Jesus. It was not Tyre. It was not Galilee. It was coast. And it captured my heart and it began to speak vision into me. What would really happen if you read the Bible? What would happen in your family if you read the Bible? What would happen in our church if we read the Bible? What would happen in our city if we got into this book? But the thing about this is it's not like it happens every day. I'd love it. I would love to tell you that I read my Bible and then Jesus said, order this coffee and then he said, do this and sign that. Most times I'm confused when I'm, before I've read it. Most times I'm confused while I'm reading it. Most times I'm confused after I've read it. But there are moments I can point to, just like what I love is the, the Bedouin boys didn't know that they were going to find the Dead Sea Scrolls that day. They just rocked up to work and took care of the sheep. Can we be faithful in what God has given us in this text, in this book, in our assignment, in what is set before us? And out of that, believe that there will be moments where vision will come through from this word. The other thing I love about the Bible is the Bible is not just any book. It carries the presence of God. It really does. We cannot treat this book. Now, I need to be careful because I'm not saying we worship the Bible. We worship the God of this Bible. 
but I have found that the scriptures can be one of the greatest transportation vehicle in which God transports his purpose and his presence to us. And I've come to find that so many times I'll be reading the Bible, I feel discouraged, but as I'm reading it, I'm feeling happy. Have you ever felt that? Am I the only one? I'm reading it and it's like, the Lord, he is my shepherd. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Maybe I'm just depressed. I don't know. Pray for me. So, but sometimes I'm reading, I'm just like joy coming inside of me, you know, you know, I'm in my 30s and tear coming down. Oh, kids are there. Oh, that's, what's up? Oh, just the air con. It's just something in the vents. And I was like, what are you doing to me? I'm looking at this book and it's like speaking into my heart. It's speaking into my soul. It's speaking into my spirit. I'm beginning to sense the presence. I felt a thousand miles away from God. But as I was reading this text, I'm beginning to feel the closeness of God. I love, I love my wife, Leah. You noticed that she was up here. And, and, I, and I love her because Leah, it's sometimes, I'm just being honest, it's sometimes a bit inconvenient. We've got three kids. We've got to carry most of them. You know, we've got a seven-year-old, but even she wants to be carried because she feels left out from the carrying moment of taking people into their car seats. And while we are sometimes going to calls, pretty much every time we go to calls, Leah takes her Bible. She takes her Bible everywhere. So, yes, it's inconvenient too, Ben. So, 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 uh, so sometimes I'm like, Leah, what? Like, like, you've got the Bible out, you know what I'm saying? But I love this girl. She just has this thing about, she's like, no, I want the, and it's an amazing reminder for her. And one of the things that Leah says, I love this tagline she says is, I carry the Bible because there are days when the Bible carries me. And that's what it is when you, when you give yourself to this word. There are days when you fill yourself with this word and you feel nothing. But there are other days where this word carries you through the day. It fills you. It begins to speak hope into you. This book carries, my friend, the presence of God. It carries the presence of God. I want to encourage within us here at Downpour a new appetite, a fresh approach to the scripture. Because I've come to realize that it's pretty dangerous. I think we live, I love social media, but I think so many, so many of us have even given our devotions to social media. If I follow this preacher and follow that preacher, that guy preaches on faith, that guy preaches on grace, this one gives, preaches on hope, this one speaks on prophecy. Now there's a war in Ukraine, let me check out what he says. I'm feeling a bit hopeless, let me listen to the hope guy. I've stopped off, let me listen to the grace preacher. <laughs> Uh, I need to motivate. I'm not, I'm not bagging anybody, but you know what I'm saying? We live in a day and age where we've subscribed the Word of God like we have subscribed unto Netflix. But let me tell you, when you read this truth, the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And we celebrate that, but the freedom that we experience is based on the truth that we position ourselves to receive. The freedom that we have is conditional to the truth that we choose to know. And that knowing comes by getting into this book. It's that pursuit within us that says, I haven't found it, but I know I'm waiting for my aha moment. My life is made up of aha moments. They happen every 10 years or so. But, but, but I wake up every morning with an expectation that today could be the day of aha. 
Today could be the day where God speaks something fresh, something so transforming, something that is so shifting to everything that we're doing. Today could be that day. And I'm praying for an appetite within us that would cause such a big shift that we would be like Josiah that will walk through his temple and walk through his palace. Because you notice what happened to Josiah. When Josiah read the scripture, it changed everything. And that's my third thought. This book shows us the path ahead. So many times we're confused because we don't know where to stand. But the Bible says, your word is a lamb unto my feet and a light unto my path. It gives direction to me. It gives, gives me understanding. And so many times when we read this book, what begins to happen is there might be stuff in our life that we need to get rid of. There might be stuff in our life that we need to uninstall. Stuff in our life that we need to remove. But what begins to happen is when we read this book, we begin to realize that, hey, God's values are not my values yet. So many times I find people that come to me and tell me things like, Pastor, what do you think about? Fill in the blanks, whatever it is. What do you think about this? I, I don't want to say anything because like then people think I'm sort of targeting something. But what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And, and all, all, every single time I think to myself, I'm so deeply honored that you asked me what I think about. But could it be possible that even what I think about some things could be wrong? How amazing would it be if we just went, what does God say about this? What does the scripture say about it? How much more easier it is to be followers when we begin to build a value system within us that says, I want to value what God values. I want to value what pleases the heart of God. And I think it is so important that we grab a hold of this. That when we begin to say, God, I want to value what you value. And you know what? If right now, see, the thing is so many of us don't want to read this book because there are areas in our lives that we are not fully on the same radar with God. There are areas in our lives, if you tell me every area is all good, well, maybe you're not looking deep enough. But there are areas in all of our lives. And so we beat ourselves down and we say, I'll start leaning into God when I fix that. Do you know God is okay? With you reading his scripture, even when you're living in darkness and living in sin and living in brokenness and living in pain. Because there will be a moment that as you read this, this will begin to refresh your soul. It begins to strengthen your heart. It begins to speak into your opportunities. It begins to counsel you. So many times we think we can only get into the things of God when we have fixed everything. But no, I want you to change that narrative. I want you to step in even when you feel like your life is not aligned to where it needs to be. Because what I love about this, this text, what I love about the scripture is that it's not condemning, but it is convicting. And, and, and I love that it says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Which tells me that God's word is always taking me somewhere. So we're all on a journey. We're all on a path. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, hey, I'm going somewhere. <laughs> we're, we're all going. We're all going somewhere. We're all going somewhere. And, and as part of our going, we got to understand that this word will show, do us the showing. This word will direct us. This word will instruct us. And there are times when we miss a turn. There are times when we need to have a detour. But what I love about this book is this book is a book filled with roundabouts. I think it was somebody from North Lakes that wrote the Bible. But this book is a book full of roundabouts. It's like I missed that turn. Well, guess what? There's a roundabout five centimeters down the road. There's another one. There's another one. There's another one. And so I want you to approach this book with an open heart. I want you to trust the words of this book. 
I want you to believe the author of this book. Because let me tell you, this book is so powerful. And what I love about this book is you can read from the book of Joshua where it says, be bold and very courageous. And what I love about it is I can read this text, be bold and very courageous. And someone who is in the middle of a career situation can read the text, be bold and very courageous. And for them, they would need boldness to quit that job and start that business. For somebody else, they could read the same text and they would probably need to marry the person that they've been dating for 16 years. For somebody else reading the text, it might be to step into their assignment. For me, when I read, be bold and very courageous, sometimes it is as simple as humble yourself down and say sorry to your daughter. And what I love is you can be at the same, we can all be at the same intersection of the text, but it speaks to us differently and it speaks to us specifically. And so many times we listen to how somebody else understood the Bible and how somebody else interpreted the Bible, but they were at their intersection. They were on their pathway. But you have your own path and you have your own car. And I want to encourage you to position yourself to get on that road and to get going and to step into where God is calling you to. And the instruction comes from this book. And let me tell you, when you begin to read this book, when this book gets into your spirit, when it begins to interact with you, man, it is so powerful. It changes everything. It changes everything. And I'm praying in this season more than any, I think that we are living in interesting times. And I do believe we are living in the times of Josiah, where the land was crazy, the land was chaotic, the land was perverted, the temples were broken. You know, we, we haven't had able to, I mean, you, you, let's face it, church, globally, we've not been able to worship together for over two years. Church doesn't look the way it looked like. And I'm not saying it needs to go back to that. But I think somewhere along the way, reforms, mandates, lifestyles, isolation, I'm not speaking against it, has created a value system within our soul that has caused us to leave the book hanging in the temple. We have a relationship with the book, with the headlines of the book. But I think for so many of us, we've forgotten the specifics of the book. But I'm praying for a Josiah moment, not just for our church, but I'm praying for a Josiah moment around the world. Where there will be many people, like-minded people, that would have a calling towards truth. And let me tell you, a call towards truth is frustrating because you haven't seen it yet, but you know what it sounds like. It's like the Bedouin boys that kept going back to the cave, didn't even know what was in the cave, but enjoyed what they heard. Because there was something within their heart that resonated with what they were hearing. And I want to encourage you, if you are that person, to dig deep into God, to follow the presence of God, to get into this book and to understand that as you step into it, you will. I'm convinced. I do not know when, how, where. But I'm convinced that if you stick long enough to this, to leaning into this word, which is life, you will have your aha moment. A moment where God speaks. And I've had so many of these where I have aha moments and then I try to make everybody else that aha moment. And so I'll go to my staff and I'll go to my leaders and I'll try to explain it. As I'm saying it, I sound like gibberish. 
Because it was never their aha moment. It was my aha moment. You know what I'm talking about. And so you got to understand this. I need you to wake up that there are things that God has set before you. Steps that He's ordered from heaven. Temples that you need to excavate and go into. There is a temple in your own heart that you need to go back into. There's a place of prayer that you need to step back into once again. Where you need to take off the cobwebs and repaint the wall. And take back the book and get into that word and enter into your aha moment because it's only you who can reform your life. Just like Josiah reformed his nation, reformation begins with the forming of me, the renewal of my mind, the refreshing of my heart, reforming my habits, reform. This is why David says, create, reform in me. A clean heart, O oh God, and renew, reform that right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O oh God, and take not your spirit from me. That's the cry of reformation. And it's crazy how when one person can read the same book and go on to see 39 million people saved in the nation of India. Same scriptures I've read. Same roundabouts I've taken. Same exits I've driven by but I never saw it. What is it that you need to see that you've been missing? I want to encourage us for eyes to be open. And let's take a moment to pray right now. This is we're coming to a close. For the eyes of our understanding, Paul says that I pray that the eyes of your heart may be open so that you may be able to see what only you can see. And you know what the crazy part is, Downport Church? Don't think that Pastor Alwyn has special access or this leader has special access. Each of you have a unique DNA, a unique touch, and I need you, God needs you to go back into the temple, to remove the cobwebs, to reread what you read before. I, I, we, we, I need you to do that because you know why? I read my Bible, but I won't see what you see. I won't hear what you hear. I want to understand and perceive what you will understand and perceive because you have been through stuff and you've been through experiences that I have not been through. And you have a unique calling and a unique DNA and a unique fingerprint. I want you to understand this downpour church. And I don't say this from a place of challenge, but I say this with utter honesty and dependency that there are some things only you can unlock that heaven is banking on you to unlock. And so let's be people that are filled with wonder. In a world that's lost its wonder. In a world that's lost its shine. In a world that's lost its glory. We look to you, Father. We set our eyes towards you. We set our gaze to you. And we say, God, fill us now once again with wonder. Put within us that grace that was on Martin Luther to seek for something deeper. I do not know how, but Martin Luther knew before he ever knew that there was something more. That's why he kept going. Josiah knew that there was something more. That's why he kept going. He had already done good, but he knew there was great. And Lord, we recognize that we've been doing some good, but there's greatness on the other side of our aha. So we position ourselves this morning. We extend our hands. We focus our eyes to you. We lift our gaze towards you and we say, God, Position us, teach us. Don't let us be numb. 
We activate things that have been dead, things that have been dry and dormant. And Lord, right now I prophesy over every dry bone. I prophesy over every dead thing, even right now in this auditorium. I feel the Spirit of God is upon me and I want to speak into people, into ministries, into marriages, into relationships, people that have walked away from stuff in the name of Jesus. Let these bones dream again. Let these bones live again. I speak hope one more time. I thank you, God, that we are not here by accident for such a time as this. But right now, with every eye closed, every head bowed, maybe you're here in this room and you're saying, I need to know Jesus. Well, you're in the right place because you're about to be set up for the greatest aha of your life. Here is the greatest aha. God so loved the world that He gave His Son for you. He died on the cross of Calvary. That if you put your trust in Him, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to fix this, fix that. Right this moment, the moment you say, Jesus, I need you, He's ever-present help. He's by your side. He will fill your heart with hope, joy, peace, purpose, and your name will be written in heaven. You need to turn away. You just need to say, God, I turn away from that kind of living. It's not worked anyways. I turn away from all that sin, all that shame, all that condemnation. I put my trust in you. You don't need to know it all to receive Jesus. It's one step by saying, Jesus, I receive you. If that is you with every eye closed, with every head bowed, you're saying, I need Jesus this morning. I need Jesus this morning. I want you to slip your hands up right now. I want you to slip your hands up across this room. You're saying, I need Jesus. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? I need Jesus this morning. I need Jesus this morning. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? I need Jesus this morning. I need Jesus. I'm just giving a couple more seconds. I just feel there's someone that's not sure, but I want to give you that opportunity. I need Jesus. 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 Why don't we say this prayer together, Jesus? Jesus, I put my trust in you. I put my hope in you. I turn away from sin, from shame, from guilt. And I call you, my Lord, my Savior. I put my hope in you. Fill me now with your spirit. In your name we pray. Praise God. Just look up here for a moment. Now God's got you. You know that, right? He's on your side. I'm not sure if you know that. I'm not confident. Are you sure that God's on your side? He is. He's got your back. He's with you. All right? And I just want to speak that over here because I feel there's so many that feel the sense of hopelessness, the sense of lack of joy. I just want to speak that over here. This beautiful lady, can you stand up just for a moment? Yeah, you right there. Just stand up right there. Just right where you are. Just lift your hands up. Father, I thank you for this wonderful lady. Yes, I know it's a bit first row, first seat. But I just thank you right now for her heart. I thank you for her spirit. I come against any betrayal, any negativity that she's come across in recent times. You've lost things. I get the number 18. I do not know what happened 18 months ago. Lost things. You've lost things. Things that were rightfully yours have been taken away from you. Come, come right here. Just stand right here. I just want you to lay, lay your, my hands up. You lift your hands up. You've lost things. But what's your name? Finita. Finita. Have we met before? I spoke to you. I prayed for you over Zoom before. Praise God. God, there's no distance in the kingdom of God. Father, I thank you. I thank you. You've gone through incredible loss. And things that were rightly, rightfully yours that you worked for, 
has been taken away. And you've chosen not to put up a fight because you know you want to honor God. But God, I want you to know that, yes, there's been a season of suffering, but there's going to be a season of incredible restoration. This year, you're going to find more of a platform. There's going to be a platform set, but next year is going to be the real turnaround. 2023 is your year. This year is your year too, but 2023 is where it's going to be really shifting. This year, the sowing has begun, but you're fearful to sow because you're scared that it'll be taken away. You're scared to invest because you're scared that it'll be taken away. But the Lord says, the first fruit was taken, but not the second. The first fruit was taken, but not the second. Okay? And I just want to speak health over you right now because this has even affected your body. This has even affected your sleep. It's affected your immunity. It's affected your immunity and your digestion. So Father, in the name of Jesus, right now from head to toe, I declare your healing power over her. Right now, you're going to sense the power of God go through you from head to toe. Lord, we release your power right now in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, for life within her. I declare, let the same power that raised up Christ from the dead, let it be strengthened within her this very moment. I thank you for hope over this beautiful lady. I thank you for hope. Lord, we speak life. Church, extend your hand towards her. Let's just speak life right now. There's a miracle taking place right now. Lord, we speak life. We speak life. We speak life over the immunity system. We speak life over her body. We speak life over her skin in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just come, I cast out fear in the name of Jesus. We give you praise in Jesus' name. You are loved. You are loved. You're amazing. You know that, eh? know that. You know that. You know that. You know that. You know that. Cynthia, I want you to come here and give her a hug. Just come up here quickly. Let's give her a hug. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, your healing power right now. Your healing power right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This wonderful lady, Ashwati, just, just stand up right now. Yeah, just stand up right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, just lift your hands up. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we worship you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. God has begun to do a work and you already know it. But you feel like the second work is not going to be as amazing as the first work. But the second work is going to be greater than the first it's like the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament was great. We needed the Old Testament for the new, but the new is going to be so new, it's going to be like it never happened. It's going to be like it never happened. I want you to receive this. It's going to be like it never happened. It's going to be like it never happened. Thank you, Jesus. It's going to be like it never happened. It's going to be like it never happened. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We praise you, God. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Where's Diana? Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. Just stay there. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. It's going to be like it never happened, okay? Even relationally, in Jesus' name. Even relationally. Even relationally. Now is maybe not the time, but dream again. Dream again. And you have not been working in your area of skill set, but this is just a timing thing. God will turn it around. 
you've even been thinking about upskilling, but you've thought even what I'm skilled in, I've not been able to walk in. But he says, upskill, upskill. Diana, come here. Just get around her if you can. I'm so sorry. So sorry. We're moving people today. Just lay your hands on her. I'm just praying for her, but just lay your hands on her. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so upskill. This is a season to sow. It's your season to sow. It's your season to grow. It's your season to shift. Throw yourself in the deep end. Don't just swim in the shallow area. Throw yourself in the deep end, okay? Because God's going to do great things. Step out. He's calling you out into the water. Walk on it. When your feet touches the wave, you will start walking. You'll begin to walk. You'll begin to walk. And Lord, I pray for breakthrough in the housing situation. I pray for favor in the home. I pray for home. I do not know what is happening in the home, what you need with your house. I just pray for favor. I pray for open doors, things that seem dry and dead. Let it be opened in Jesus' name. And I Lord, pray, I pray for extended family, health issues in the extended family. I pray for health and wholeness there in Jesus' name. If there's anybody here that's going through, that has family or you or anybody going through any terminal illnesses like cancer or anything like that, or you know somebody in your world that has gone through cancer, just lift your hands up. Just lift your hands up. Yep, going through cancer. Father, we thank you. We thank you. You know what they say, in the, in, 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 there's no distance in the kingdom of God. So Father, we lift up people in the room or people anywhere, Father. I thank you, Lord, for your anointing. I thank you, Lord, for the touch of heaven. I thank you, Lord, for what you've entrusted us with. And Lord, right now, I rebuke cancer. I rebuke that spirit of death. I say you have no authority. I say you have no power. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Everything and every person that we know that we are connected to as the body of Christ shall live and not die in Jesus' name. We rebuke it. It has no authorization in our body. It has no authorization in this child. It has no authorization in this daughter, in this son. And we rebuke it right now in Jesus' name. We, we, we command you to take your claws off that body right now. We command you, we ask you to lift off. Let go, spirit of death. Let go right now. Let go. And Lord, we command the body to respond, the bones to respond, the, 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 the blood cells to respond. We command it to respond in Jesus' name, the skin to respond. We just pray right now for people here and people near, people far, but people that we're connected to that need this touch. We lift them up right now, raise them up to you, and we praise you for your miracle. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, give God a praise.